Hey there, you are watching and listening to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for being along with us. You can go to pathtozion.com 24-7 and find almost two years now of, of archived episodes. We talk about any number of things, but above everything, we try to, to examine ourselves hard and say, man, in, in, in a summarized form, see if there's any wicked way in me, Father. See if there's anything in me, not because I'm be so surprised when you reveal it, but because I know it's in there until Holy Spirit comes and illuminates that in me by pursuing your face through your word, through prayer, through denying my will, through walking in the way of the suffering servant, Yeshua Messiah. My whole rest of my life is unearthing idolatry, selfish, natural, flesh man ways. It's the rest of our days, endeavoring out of those things, not just sin. We're not talking about the sin issue. We're, we're past the sin issue. That should be kindergarten for us. We're moving into becoming holy as he is holy, walking in his righteous statutes and laws, with he alone being seated preeminent upon everything in our hearts. And so thank you for watching today. We are, wow, we are deep in the series, <coughs> excuse me, Inhabitants. Inhabitants who were meant to sojourn, a call to come out. We've been talking about that from day one here in this series. It is becoming quite lengthy. And, uh, man, we've covered a lot of ground. Thank you. Man, if you've made it through every episode, man, I know people who are watching all these. That makes me so excited. And I'm telling you, let's just talk about this for a moment before we get back into the hardness of this. Let's talk about something good. This is good. It's just hard. I have had countless conversations now since this series started with people who say, you know what? I think there's something to that. I mean, like patriotic, <laughs> legit patriotic Americans saying, maybe I need to think towards that. Maybe I need to really examine some of these things you're saying. So much so that that an older couple that I really, I really... <sighs> honor, I guess. Anyone who's a believer in the faith, like, and not just churchgoers at, at, you know, 70 years of age and older, man. We've been around two two separate older couples in the last couple days, and I shared this in measure with both. One asked me specifically, I heard you're doing that series, would you come to our house and tell us what the Lord's saying to you about this stuff? And she said, you know what? I have to confess, I'm steeped in American patriotism. I said, amen, Father, thank you. You're good, God. <laughs> You're good. This isn't, like I said throughout this whole thing, this isn't some personally advantageous message. Nobody's going to hardly watch this thing. This isn't going to be popular. This isn't going to get us YouTube hits and all of a sudden people are giving us billion-dollar donations. This doesn't do anything. It costs me. It costs my family. Not just this recording, but I mean like this position. This has cost us endless relationships because we say, you know what? I think, I think this is natural. I think this is carnal. For years now, you know, as I've already referenced so many times for 12 or 13 years now, I need to figure it out so I quit saying both. We've been saying these things are pagan. This nation is idolatrous from the founding. It has cost us greatly. This is nothing good for us. 
I have to say that because people think, well, you just like being an instigator. Sometimes people think that, you know, you just like being a rebel. No, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. Sometimes I would just like to sit with a bunch of people and not care about anything and say, hey, whatever, believe what you want, brother. <laughs> God will work it all out in the end, amen. But I don't believe that. I don't believe that's true, and I don't believe that's why I exist. There's more for us. So we reviewed in the last episode, and then I think this is part seven. We might hit double digits. I don't know. We started to talk about the most important building literal natural building in this nation, the United States of America, is in the District of Columbia. Look again, if you haven't already, look into the goddess Columbia and why maybe she's all over this nation. In the most important house there, the you, you know, <laughs> in the Supreme Court now, in the, in the U.S. Supreme Court, are these sculptures, these carvings broken up into segments that are again called the 18 greatest lawgivers of history. And again, I have to reiterate these things because I know people jump on in the middle of, of series and don't get what preceded. So in case you missed it in the last one or in case you have forgotten, it was this piece was placed in the U.S. Supreme Court to quote remind viewers that American laws are not based on one specific legal or religious text. You realize what this says. American laws are not based on the Bible. Okay, that's what one religious text. Not on the Koran, not on the Bible. It is a plethora of legal and law understanding. It is, it is broad. It's from all over the place, including... Instead, it goes on to say, the quote, they are built on millennia of legal history and traditions from all around the world. Pagan idolatrous influences. The United States of America is not unique whatsoever in her founding. She is not. It's a Babylonian Tower of Babel attempt to establish a land where men are free to ascend to deity and have everything they can muster in a natural carnal kingdom of men. As fast as you can, get it all. It's the American spirit. It's the American way. So who are these men, these people that are on this wall? Because again, in case you missed it in the previous part, I felt like this is a home run. This is a blast, not just out of the park, out of the city limits into the next township, clear as a bell, if you have any kind of discernment in you whatsoever as a spiritual godly man, you cannot hear these things and go on promoting the doctrine of patriotic evangelical America anymore. I don't see how any human being could do it if you're rightly a man of discernment and wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how in the world we could go from here and continue to perpetuate the American ideal. So the first man, we're going to breeze through some and some are take longer. One was John Marshall. Number one, we'll touch on many of the 18, probably won't get to all. Again, the greatest lawgivers of history, according to those who place this in the U.S. Supreme Court, where all of the decisions are made for your land. John Marshall. He was a Masonic Grand Marshal of Virginia. We'll keep him simple. Confucius. Oh, of course, we know Confucius. Chinese philosopher, 
He promoted attainable, heightened levels of knowledge that a man could attain within himself. You do not need a higher power. It's all within you. Okay? And again, filter all these through the present status of the United States of America. Filter this through the culture that we now live in, in 2020, nearing 2021. This stuff permeates American culture, Christian American culture. Everywhere you look, we have to say, why? Was it just because prayer was removed from schools? Are you kidding me? No. Again, this nation is in, in her infancy, and again, I believe, just like Genesis 26, Yahweh God is removing his hand, and he's allowing the inhabitants of the natural, carnal, pagan, idolatrous nations, the Goyim nations, United States of America, to frustrate his people to get us to move along. Move, move, move. Sojourn. Don't dwell. It's for our good. Octavian, also known as Augustus. Many consider Octavian Augustus to be Rome's greatest emperor. Now the internet is overflowing with accomplishments that attribute many modern civilizations and all the accomplishments of cities and governments and order are attributed to him. Many think he was like the forerunner as Rome's greatest emperor of establishing governments and kingdoms of men. He was the man. The month of August is named after him. One of his greatest achievements was erecting a temple that housed many icons of pagan goddesses, including the goddess Fortuna, that he always gave credit publicly to for his accomplishments. He, the man on the wall of the U.S. Supreme Court building, attributed all of his governmental civilized establishments of law in order to the goddess Fortuna. And he's on the wall of your U.S. Supreme Court building. Justinian. Now on the surface, Justinian seems like a good guy. Probably accomplished a lot of good things, which is always, again, the mixing. We can't just blast somebody and like, this guy never did anything good for anybody ever. No, it's not that simple. That would be very easy. But he was strong and harsh towards pagan practices of his day. Okay, good guy, right? But he began to institute his own brand of religion that he deemed acceptable, including the rights restricting, um, restricting the rights of Jews. And he threatened their religious privileges. He began to retreat and retra- retract the, the rights of the Jews at the time. A little bit at a time, more and more taking away their religious privileges and practices. He encouraged the Jews to use the Greek Septuagint in their synagogues. At Constantinople, Justinian, um, excuse me, opposers of Justinian's proposed religion were executed in his presence with his approval. He was very harsh. Some were burned alive. Others were drowned in front of him. I found it interesting that during his reign, some interesting natural disasters took place. Because when you start studying history, I'm very intrigued when certain natural events are also going on synonymous with human beings. When you're talking about leaders, you know, guys who are placed on walls of governmental buildings, what's the deal with these guys? What what is this stuff? I like layers of, of history. And things that are possibly connected and maybe not. I'll, I'll leave that for you to decide. Um, some of the things that took place during his reign. 
Um, during the 530s, there were noxious fumes in the air, and the sun, while still giving some daylight, refused to give heat. Now, this instituted a, a large, widespread famine. Um, that it was reported in history that there was probably no famine quite to that extent that had been seen in many, many years on the earth. Um, it, it affected Europe and the Middle East as well. The causes were possibly linked to a volcano. Seven years later, in, five, in 542, a bubonic plague outbreak took place known as the Plague of Justinian, second only to the Black Death of the 14th century, killing tens of millions of people. Justinian himself contracted the, the disease, but he survived. Okay, so plagues, pestilence, that's a biblical pattern. We know that. Okay, so maybe Yahweh in that time frame was trying to do something, but Justinian, he, he's, we can't say eradicating, but he's putting a heavy hand upon the Jewish nation of people and wanting them to change their practices, practices and their feast days and that's significant, right? Okay, now this man, again, is on the wall of the U.S. Supreme Court, Justinian. Another one, Louis IX. In 1240, he ordered, um, excuse me, he ordered in 1243 the burning um, of Paris, in Paris. Okay, let me start over. See, I'm, I'm trying to read and do dialogue at the same time. In 1243, Louis IX, ordered the burning in Paris of 12,000 manuscript copies of the Talmud and other Jewish books. Where I am right now, as I try to rediscover the ancient way, boom, that caught my attention. Okay, He burned 12,000 copies of the Talmud and other Jewish books and compilations of writings. Why is he on the wall? There's other things that attribute him and about his greatness and how strong he was, of course, which is why he made the wall. But why would he be on the wall? Makes no sense. This guy, Lysurgus, a Spartan ruler. He was known for his military might and for being a man of distinction. He is remembered for seeking pagan oracles to receive wisdom and counsel towards his rulings. He received what was called the Great Ritra Oracle. This is, man, this is something. Now this, again, history. Google these people, man. Take a day, take a, take a, a, a month, take the rest of your life <laughs> looking into these things and say, why are these men on the wall of the U.S. Supreme Court? I thought we're a godly nation founded on the Ten Commandments. No. So this guy, he received what was called the Great Retra. Look into this. R-H-E-T-R-A. I could have written four pages just on that in one afternoon. This was an oracle that he received within the Temple of Apollo, where history states the entire constitution of Sparta that he enacted was implemented. He implemented it in Sparta where he ruled and reigned. He made their entire constitution based upon an oracle he received in the temple of Apollo. It was supposedly supernaturally given to him while he was in the inner court. Another guy, Solon, S-O-L-O-N. If I was fancy, man, I'd have pictures of these guys and I'd have all the historical texts and links and all that. I don't know how to do that stuff. I'll send anything anyone wants to know. Path to Zion podcast at gmail.com, all over Facebook. We're easy to find. 
I'll send you everything I have. There's much, much, much more. This guy, Solon, S-O-L-O-N, he was a famed lawmaker in Athens, Greece, 630 B.C. He was known as one of the seven sages of Greece and is considered by many to be the father of Western democracy. His most famous saying is, everything in moderation. We've all heard that, right? What a great slogan for a godly people who follow the, Yahweh, <laughs> the ways of Yahweh Elohim and try to keep his commands. Everything in moderation. Well, that's nothing, Joel. Is it really? Is it really? <sighs> Interestingly, this phrase was carved into the stone walls at the Oracle of Apollyon at Delphi. Salone is credited with having created state brothels with regulated order and prices. Specifically, the prostitution that he promoted involved both sexes. Women of all ages were allowed and young men were encouraged and presented for lawful prostitution according to his rulings. He was also known to enact Salone's ten precepts that included, quote, make reason your supreme commander and honor the gods. Okay? Salone. This guy who, who in his governmental order not only allowed prostitution, but he enacted it for young women and boys. He said, make reason your supreme commander and honor the gods. This man as well is on the walls of the U.S. Supreme Court as a source of the greatest lawgivers of history in that influenced this nation to make her who she is. Draco. Salone was known to repeat most of the laws of Draco. He was a student of, of Draco's governmental um, ways and, and laws he enacted. So this guy Draco, his laws were widely known as very, very harsh. For example... Any debtor whose status was lower than that of his creditor was forced into slavery. The death penalty was the punish punishment for even minor offenses, such as stealing someone's food. The word draconian, that you hear a lot right now, meaning harsh or cruel, is derived from his name. So a harsh and cruel guy who had people killed for stealing a loaf of bread, yeah, He's one of the greatest lawgivers of history that influenced this nation. This is what we do here. Meanies. Some of these, man. These last two here, and we'll probably move on. Listen to these people. Especially people that I know believe in the, in the importance of, of ancient gods and goddesses in pagan ways. And their, their, their sneaky influence. Man, if that's you, friends, please, brother, sister, listen to this stuff. This stuff is ancient old now. Ancient old. Menes. Menes was an Egyptian pharaoh. He's on the wall of the U.S. Supreme Court now, where all the laws are given to this land. He was the first king of the first Egyptian dynasty. Archaeological findings have him often hanging out with Horus. Many commentaries have him as the first human ruler of Egypt. He directly inherited the throne from the god Horus. This was widely known in Egyptian history. He inherited 
a natural throne, the first man, the first human being to inherit this office from the god Horus. It was also attributed to Menes as being one who introduced proper worship of gods and the practice of sacrifices alongside a more elegant, luxurious, and acceptable style of living. Okay? So he made pagan, idolatrous, even sacrifices reputable, admirable for the good people, for the advanced people. Meanies. Okay? He's on the wall as well. And this last one that I'm going to read today, this guy, this guy, this guy, wow. Hammurabi. H-A-M-M-U-R-A-B-I. Hammurabi. He, was, he is considered the greatest king of the first Babylonian dynasty of the Amorites. Okay? Now, if you know anything about the Bible, this guy is going to hit right here and be like, Oh my gosh, you're kidding me. Hammurabi. Considered the greatest king of the first Babylonian dynasty of the Amorites, he wrote a code of law simply called the Code of Hammurabi, which was known as the Babylonian Code of Law in ancient Mesopotamia. He is of Amorite descent. Now, okay, so let's just stop here for the sake of time. Amorite, sound familiar? 2 Kings chapter 21. Since Manasseh, king of Judah, has committed these abominations, having done more evil than all than the Amorites did who were before him, and has who has also misled Judah into sin with his idols, and Ahab also acted very despicably in following idols, conforming to everything that the Amorites had done, whom the Lord drove out from the sons of Israel. Hammurabi combined military and political advances with construction of temples celebrating Babylon's primary deity, Marduk. Okay, again, fast forward to today. Is this stuff crazy talk or not? Look at modern day, look at modern day America, the national land that she is. This guy combined military and political advances together and constructed temples to Marduk, who was known to bring blessing, favor, fertility, and had as many as 50 names. If you know anything about Bible history, you know the name Marduk already. M-A-R-D-U-K. Jeremiah 50, verse 2. Declare and proclaim among the nations. Proclaim it and lift up a flag. Do not conceal it. Say, Babylon has been captured. Bel has been put to shame. Marduk has been shattered. Her idols have been put to shame. Her images have been shattered. Okay? This is ancient old now. Now we're all the way back to the Bible. We're all the way back to Bible idolatry, even in Jeremiah chapter 50. Why is this guy on the walls of the U.S. Supreme Court? An Amorite pagan sacrifice to deities lawgiver is one of the greatest lawgivers of history that is the basis of the United States of America and these other 17 individuals. One, of course, is Muhammad. Muhammad is standing there holding, I, I believe, a dagger in the Quran. Someone explain these things to me. Now, Moses is there. Solomon is there. They're on the wall. They're on the wall, peppered with all these others. Why? Mixing 
mixing, mixing. On top of this huge stone is a two and a half foot carving of a standing. Okay, so <laughs> there, there's this stone, right? This stuff. You can't make this stuff up. There's this, there's this large stone about Hammurabi. You can look it up and see it for yourself. It's a two and a half foot carving of stone where he's standing up receiving the law. He's holding a rod and a tape. And he's standing next to, he's seated next to the Babylonian God of Justice. The Code of Hammurabi states Dagon as the protector of the people. Okay? You understand this? One of the greatest lawgivers of history who is on this wall overseeing every single thing that comes out of this nation to govern you. He received everything he received from gods and goddesses and temples of houses of worship to pagan deities. And he, cla he, he claims in the code of Hammurabi that he wrote that Dagon is the protector of the people. Someone tell me how this stuff just doesn't matter. doesn't matter. These, these things don't matter. Joel's just carvings of stone. It's just paintings with pentagrams. It's just gods and goddesses. It's just pagan deities. It's just paintings. It's just paint. It's just stone. But yet these people, so many people, again, that maybe you do not allow yourselves to justify anything else in all of time to be okay according to the same principle and belief. Why did you get, if you did, why did you get rid of Christmas trees? Why did you get rid of a certain symbol on a, on a curtain in your house? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Why do you believe in the one true God, Yahweh Elohim? And everything else has got to go. And every other symbol, <coughs> excuse, excuse me, every other symbol and mark and sign and name, pagan roots, and it's not just nebulous and historically distant, so, well, we don't believe that way anymore, so it doesn't really mean that. Most people I know criticize people for saying those things. We stand up and declare the dangers of idolatry in hidden places and how it affects everything. But what about these things in this nation? Friends, I'm telling you, this is molecular, what I have shared already. In this series. I mean tiny. Compared to what could be found. That I already know. And have pages written about. And I've barely scratched the surface. Over the last 12 years. It is unending. The depths. Of pagan and idolatrous. Foundings and origins. Of the United States of America. It's everywhere. On every corner of Washington. District of Columbia. The home of the nation. The home of the governments of this land. Of course, Moses and Solomon are there. Friend, is that enough to ease your mind? Is that enough? Well, at least they have Moses and Solomon. I knew that, I knew that this nation was founded on the Ten Commandments. I knew it. Well, Moses is holding the Ten Commandments tablet, and a few feet down, Muhammad is holding the Koran. 
Is that okay for you? Yeah, Yahweh's there. Yahweh is represented alongside innumerable other gods. And I didn't even get into all the other gods and goddesses depicted in that frieze. There's the goddess of justice. There's the goddess of the moon. There's the goddess of peace. There's the goddess of... They're all peppered throughout these 18 individuals on on all these sculptures. I'm not even going to get into all that for the sake of time. We've talked about this a little in measure, and I'm going to bring this to a close. I've talked about this, I think, in part three, about how have you seen video footage, like not long ago, like in the last 20 years, 30 at most, not even almost 30, because it's the it was the you know centennial stuff. About how master masons gather at the cornerstone of the District of Columbia, the buildings there, and they pour out wine and oil and sprinkle corn and they chant Masonic phrases that are all about pagan deities. Friend, what do you do with that? Listen to what I'm saying. This, this stuff is your America. And I know that hurts. I know it hurts. But this is your America. Christian evangelical patriot. This is your America. This is her. You have to be willing to let that hurt. You have to be willing to allow the Father to take that into your heart and get all up in there and frustrate your ways so that you move out of her. Because if this was what I've been told my whole life, and I've even been told this year, that this nation is founded on Torah. This nation is founded on the Ten Commandments. This nation is a godly, set-apart, sheep nation. If that were true, if that were true, then why is there not one monument in in the U.S. Supreme Court and all it has is the commandments of Yahweh? There's no logical answer. There's no right answer. If this nation were founded upon the commands of Yahweh Elohim, there would not be this vast ocean of pagan deities all over the hub and source of the government of this land. There's no argument towards that, friend. You cannot excuse this stuff away. So many people say, and we're going to bring this to a conclusion, well, it didn't start bad. My history book said George Washington was visited by an angel under a tree. And he said all this stuff, and there's even a little bit of Jesus in there, even though they're openly recorded in history, all throughout history, being deists. Deists, deists, mason, masons. Some of them hated the Bible. Man, have you read about Benjamin Franklin? Thomas Jefferson, too. So many people, so many Christian evangelicals talk like things have just gotten bad since we removed prayer out of schools or since Roe v. Wade came. Or this year, well, because of the coronavirus and masks, now, oh, 
Now the government's turning sour. She's turning evil. No. No. If we could go back in time. It started when all these Masonic men gathered together and said, we are going to make our name great. We are going to tap in to the power and the resources of ancient deities and we're going to build a nation and we're going to ascend to the highest, na- the highest heaven and look at us. And friends, that's why today when I see all these hats and all these banners and all these slogans of make us great again, I cringe inside and my heart is sad. My heart hurts because it's the Babylonian Tower of Babel ascension to the highest heaven through the governments of men mindset that is ancient old. Again, what is our cornerstone? Our literal cornerstone was placed in the ground of this nation to build all these governmental buildings upon, sprinkled with wine, sprinkled with oil, enchantings of the Masonic ancient power and deities. Come and empower us and make us great. And friends, that has happened. That's happened. Whether we say it's because of Yahweh God and His kindness and goodness and in mercy that we don't deserve one ounce of, or whether it's because of these pagan deities having their way to give us everything we've received, or a mixing of all of it. Whatever the case, man, I'm telling you, I am convinced that in days, weeks, months, and maybe years, if we get to that point, our ways are going to become frustrated. And if, in fact, we are buried and steeped in the pagan, idolatrous ways of this nation, We will go the way of her. We will go the way of the pagan nation. We will go the way of the pagan goyim. Why? Because we've lost sight of the name, the banner, the the land that is yet before us where Yahweh Elohim has placed his name that we are sojourning unto. We will be led astray. And that's why I have said this entire calendar year, why I am convinced the great falling away will be followers of Yahweh who will not let go of their national identities, loyalties, and allegiances. I am convinced it will be those elect people now, elect people who seem above that, who know the ways of God, who have seen Him and heard Him and and know His ways, but will not let go of their rights. They will not let go of their constitutional right. It will co- I, I am convinced it will cost many journeying, journeying, sojourning into the promised land. I think that they'll get stuck. Why? I kind of like being a slave here. I like being a slave here. I kind of like the idolatrous ways here. You know what? Have you seen what that's provided for us? That's well and good. Leave us here. Or in the case that's going to be before us, I want to I go back to slavery. Slavery may look like America, people. It may look like this. And I'm in it too in measure. Can you admit that? 
gods, goddesses, rituals, Roman, pagan, altars. Does any of this matter? Are we trying to maintain and promote and inhabit an idolatrous land? Friends, you have to ask that question. You have to ask that question. A hard question. Oh man, it's hard, I'm sure. If your identity is is in propping up the continual evangelical patriotic American land, then man, this is going to be terrifying for you. Fast. Pray. Study. Study the Word of God. The cost. Many of you already know that, man. Like the cost of, of entertaining pagan and idolatrous ways, you already know. Study U.S. history from a less glamorous position and posture. Look into things that oppose your view and vantage point. I said that back at part one and then we'll be done. In part one, I told you, I watched videos, I read articles, I, I, I listened to other vantage points that differ from my own about defending why this nation is godly, why it's a sheep nation, why it's a nation that deserves blessing and favor, why? Because we stand with Israel that we demand God's favor. I gave myself to, okay, I'm going to listen to these differing vantage points. And I told you then, and I'll tell you again, when I did that, my position went further and further and further into, no, this land, this land is idolatrous at the outset. And there can be, un, there can be a no undoing of that. In, in the biblical pattern now, in the biblical pattern alone, let's, let's end well. In the biblical pattern alone, what was always the solution of cleaning the house and the land? Purging, 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 man. Gut the place. In some cases, burn it to the ground. In, 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 a lot of times in harsh things, man, that's hard for us to even talk about and surely even comprehend is when, when Yahweh said, you know what? Men, women, children, and animals, go. They got to go. That is the sobering reality of how the Father hates mixing. He hates idolatry. He hates it, friend. And I think I'm convinced his patience and tolerance of it in this nation is coming to a close. And again, to get back to the text to close the door, in Genesis chapter 26, Isaac had a very lengthy season of blessing and favor and good, good things. But Yahweh changed the time. He changed the season. And he frustrated the ways of his servant Isaac because he would not have moved. He would not have left the blessing land. He would not have left the land of, of, of bountiful favor. He would not have left. So Yahweh frustrated his ways and said, Son, it's time for you to sojourn instead of inhabit a land. And only then, like we've already covered in the text, time and time again leading up to right now, only then did Isaac find the land that Yahweh expanded for him and he continued to sojourn. And he, he erected an altar. And what did it say, if we can go back without rehashing it yet again, 
that night Yahweh visited Isaac. The night, that night, Yahweh said, he gets it. He gets it. He's understanding that he was inhabiting a land he was meant to sojourn through. He's coming out. And then, then the favor, the true favor of God, the eternal covenantal promises to Father Abraham can come. Then they can come, friend. But until we begin to uproot and move away in our hearts again, I'm not saying move to somewhere else. There's nowhere to move to yet. But in here, come out from among them, friends, and be separate. Come out and be separate. Come out of America. Come out of your of your rights and your liberties that you say you will have, have to have, and anyone that threatens that is going down. Let it go, friend. Let it go. It's hindering you. It's hindering you. It's keeping you back. It's restricting you. It's restraining you. Let it go. Let it go, friend, please. By the power of Holy Spirit, let it go. Become a sojourner. Become a sojourner in a land you were never meant to inhabit. Be free. Man, I'm free. I'm telling you, I'm free. I'm free. My identity is in Yeshua Messiah, the suffering servant. I'm walking in his footsteps and my eyes are on him. And we're going to a land that is not yet. We're walking. We're walking. And just like when he was here, we're establishing on earth as it is in heaven. But our trajectory is towards a land where Yahweh has placed his name. It's beautiful to be free. Are you free, friend? You may be bound and you don't even know it, and that's okay. Let it come. Just let it come however however the goodness and kindness of the Father will bring it to you. But you've got to posture yourself, willing, willing to receive correction, to look into all these things that we looked at in this nation and say, Father, I can't do it. I can't do it. I cannot be loyal to perpetuate this kingdom if she is so surrounded by idolatry. I believe we can be free. I don't know how many are going to be free. I don't know if I will. It's it's a daily choice. I don't know if I will. I don't know if I'll be able to leave behind more and more comforts and sojourn even more. I don't know. It's yet before us. It will be... It's yet to be determined for every one of us. He who endures to the end will be saved. This is not the end. There's time for us. There's time for the church. There's time for evangelical America. If she will turn, if she will go to her knees and repent of promoting an an idolatrous land, a pagan land. It's our only hope. It's our only chance. But there's always hope for us in the Father. And He's good and He's kind. I praise the Father. He's frustrating our ways. You've been listening to the Path Design Podcast. And in this case, you're watching it as well. If you feel like this is something that needs to be heard, share it with your friends. Even, man, share it with people who you think will hate it. For the sake of the possibility of unveiling eyes to say, I can no longer be an inhabitant like that in in my heart anymore of this land. It's time to come out. Send us an email. If you want more of this information, I can send you 
the the text that I've written out in these pages. I'll send it to anyone. This isn't for me. This is for any one of us to listen who are ready and postured to receive something hard. Pathdesignpodcast at gmail.com. Please consider sharing this video if you believe that this is anything that the word of the Lord is coming forth to say in this hour. What is the Spirit saying? What's the Spirit saying that's not just heaping more blessing and more favor on the church? Oh, man, that's got to go. It's got to go. We got to get kicked out of the land, man. We got to move. Let the frustration come. We're on a path to Zion. We're rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for watching. Amen.